Today's episode is being sponsored by Swiss Hospitality Guild. SHG is a training center created to meet the strong demand for specialized hospitality staff. This training concept was born from the experience and expertise of its founder, Egidio Marcato. Egidio has become a reference in the world of hospitality coaching and has had success stories in skills championships, including Swiss skills, Euro skills, and world skills, as well as the AICR World's Best Receptionist Competition. Contact SHG at www.swisshospitalityguild.com. Good morning and welcome to 50 Shades of Hospitality. This is Crystal Cavan, your host. Today, we are very happy to welcome Luis Prebianca, who is the hotel manager of Riverside Hotel South Bank in Brisbane, Australia. Hello, Luis, and welcome to the show. Can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, Crystal. Thank you for having me. It's my absolute pleasure being here. Uh, you said good morning. It's good morning for you. For me here is good evening. So we say that in Australia, we live in the future. Right. So as you said, my name is Luis. I was uh, born and raised in Brazil. I left home when I was about 17, uh, went to Germany, lived around a little bit. And then I was told about a lovely hotel school in Switzerland called Gleon, which is where I met our lovely Mr. Marcato, and, uh, who was uh, my teacher. Great teacher, by the way, um, and uh, it was all uphill from there. So from there, I lived in Ireland. I've lived in in your United States of America. I went back to Brazil for some time. Then I went to Dubai, and then I moved to Australia. So I realized that it was either Australia or Asia. So I had a friend in Australia, so I ended up in Brisbane, and I've uh, been here for the past 12 and a half years. So now I am a citizen of Australia. Uh-huh. Some people say, yourselves included, that apparently I sound Australian now, which is funny. To them, they don't think I sound Australian. They think I sound American, strangely enough. But yeah, okay. so that's who I am. Okay, great. Uh, you've worked in Europe, the United States, South America, and uh, other places. How do you perceive cultural differences in all the countries where you have lived and work? There's a lot of cultural differences, um, as, as, as you're well aware. Um, but from my point of view, working in hospitality, I found that people value different things, right? So when in Europe, the value is more focused on quality. So quality surpasses quantity by a large margin, right? So you want to be able to drink a very good wine and eat a very good well in switzerland you know eat a very good fondue or a good haclette you know i mean my my biggest experiences were always with steak funny enough because then if you switch over to america um and those trends are changing right so they are they are now evolving right even in europe so the 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 focus started switching a little bit but uh, in America, during my time there, which was a long time ago, but the focus was more quantity oriented, 
So quality is still important, but quantity is paramount. So don't serve me a, a 50 gram steak. It can be the best steak in the world. I don't want it. I want a 400 gram steak, right? And uh, I remember that uh, at the hotel I used to work at, we opened a beautiful steakhouse, beautiful, beautiful. And we, we brought in chefs from all over the world. And, uh, and one of the chefs, he had his signature dish, which was, um, I think it was a 75 gram steak. And honestly, I had one small piece of that steak because it was hundreds of dollars. And it's the best steak I've ever had in my life. And we had a lovely gentleman that came in from Texas and he was a repeat guest been there a million times, I know, right, I know, I know. So he walks in, he orders the steak. When they bring the steak, I get a call saying, um, we need to come and talk to this gentleman. He's not happy. I said, well, why is he not happy? Well, he doesn't like the steak. Well, did he eat the steak? Yes, he ate the steak. Okay, so I arrived there, so well, what happened? He goes, well, you listen here, son. I'm telling you something. You don't come around here telling me that's a steak. That's not a steak. That's coin. And I said, okay, well, what did you expect? He said, a steak is that bait. I said, okay, all right. But what, was it a good steak? Yeah, it was a great steak. Not worth $500. I said, okay, okay. And that's, and that's fair. That's, that's perception, right? That is perception. It's the same as if you, if you, serve, if you serve a 500-gram steak to a French national, he's not going to like it. He's not going to like it, right? He prefers something that's smaller and that has that quality. But then again, this, these things are changing, right? Um, every time we have guests here from, from, from Europe, all the time we have guests from America. i got friends in America. And these trends are changing fast, fast evolving, right? And uh, then you switch over to South America, which to me is very close to Asia when it comes down to hospitality because the links are the fact that the, 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 the labor is so cheap. So you can afford to have, hey, I've been to Thailand and, you know, from the time I arrived at the airport, by the time I, I arrived in my hotel room, I was served by eight hotel staff, eight different hotel staff. We can't afford to do that in Europe. We can't afford to do that in Australia. The labor cost is too intensive, right? But in those countries, that service is not about quantity, it's not about quality, it's about service. And that's amazing, right? But it comes at the cost, which is something I've heard quite a bit in this podcast lately. It comes at the cost of the well-being of those hotel workers. And to what extent that's ideal. Yeah, I agree. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, how Australian hospitality differs from other countries? Yeah, sure. We have a we have a word uh, in Australian slang. Uh, they say fair income. It's hard to translate it. It's really hard to translate it. It's got a sense of being honest, being genuine. Genuine, not honest. Genuine is a is, is a a better word, right? Um, of course, if you walk into a Sofitel anywhere in Australia, they will greet you with a bonjour. But that's Sofitel. We're not the Sofitel. So when you walk in here, I, I actually had this happen yesterday. Gentleman walks in and yes, we have our normal standard procedures where somebody walks in, you greet him, good, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. But it depends on the guest. 
so gentleman walks in he's got he's got that 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 and i hate saying this because that's so bad but he's got that crocodile dundee look to him right so he parks his uh yeah. whatever he was driving a ford ranger whatever 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 truck he was driving he parks at the front he gets out of the car he's wearing a hat he walks in he says did i might how's it gone and how do you answer to that <laughs> you can't say good afternoon sir lovely day out there is it not you can't say that you just can't you gotta say back to the guy you gotta say get out right yeah i'm good man how about yourself you know and do you want to be in mine you look tired why are you driving from mine tell me what are you do did you have a long drive let me get you a beer mate. that's on me so that that's what australian hospitality is about right don't get me wrong if you check into a five-star hotel in sydney overlooking the opera house you're not going to get that right but at the same yeah. token that if you check into a five-star hotel in berlin that's not really a very genuine german experience which is different than if you check into a smaller hotel in munich you know and and that's really what's about is that 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 sense of being genuine i don't know if that makes sense but yeah yeah absolutely absolutely what can you um describe the hotel that you're working in what kind of hotel is it what kind of people are coming to your hotel are they most are they people from all over the world mostly australians yeah sure so we have we have a very diverse uh portfolio here we are because brisbane is a very uh, business oriented city okay it didn't need to be because i like to consider brisbane uh, the the last true australian genuine big capital city right because as i said before if you go to sydney you go to sydney is a big city it's a beautiful city but it's a big city melbourne is more um it's very european they love their wines they love their cheeses they're very they're, they're lovely people they're very fancy very posh you don't hear that 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 get i might in melbourne you hear it in, in in brisbane brisbane is a big town but it is a very business oriented town so most of our guests are business guests but okay. because of the kind of property we are and the price point we offer we do get a lot of uh, travelers from overseas now new zealand has always been the strongest uh point um as well as the uk but that has changed a lot now that has changed a lot i mean um americans are traveling a lot more to australia now as well as again asia was a big strong point but with everything that's been going on in china uh the chinese market is just not traveling we predict india could be a strong market in the years to come so we are preparing for that we're getting ready for that yeah so everything that um the china that the chinese market is not bringing to us the american market has picked up and the uk market is also picked up strongly and you got to think that australia has a lot of students a lot of overseas students. the economy relies a lot on that and all those students have parents that come and visit those parents need to stay right. somewhere so they end up staying at properties like ours. And um, Luis, do you think that the um, the Chinese market will come back? Do you think this is just a, a temporary situation now that you know the COVID is slowly disappearing? Do you think this market will come back? I believe it will. Or other Asian markets? Okay. I believe it will. 
um, the Chinese market has always been uh, strong in the past few years. From the moment they started traveling, they got a taste for it. I mean, the Japanese market's strong, the Korean market is strong, but there's nothing like the Chinese market. And that's that's everywhere. That's not only right. I remember when I went to, to Thailand and uh, a good, good friend of mine who, who also went to Ecolotelier de Lyon, she owns a resort there. Uh, shout out to Salisa. She was telling me about the, the Chinese market. And because the time we were there was what they call the Chinese season, which is when, you know, literally that time of the year, it's just Chinese travelers. And it was literally my wife, oh. myself, and all the other tourists that were there were 90% Chinese. So Chinese market's strong, it's great, and I think it will come back. Okay. How would you describe typical clients from Australia? What kind of travel and hospitality experiences are they looking for? And what are some of their favorite destinations in Australia, but maybe outside of Australia as well? I mean, Australians are a different bunch, as, as, as I'm sure you, you, you would have noticed by the, the few stories I've told. They like what they call the great outdoors. They're not indoors people. Um, they like going camping, camping by the beach. They love that. They love that. One of the biggest economy drivers in Australia is four-wheel driving. They go to the, to the islands on their four-wheel drives with their whole families and spend time. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then again, once you realize that, in my opinion, there's no really true outstanding resort in Australia that's affordable because again uh, staff cost is so high people got to figure something out right to be somewhere that looks beautiful and one of the best ways to do that is going camping by a beautiful beach that looks like paradise and that's awesome um, but of course for for me that I came from overseas I'm not I wasn't born here so many other places I'd, I'd like to go. I'd like to go to Uluru uh, or Ayers Rock, which is, you know, beautiful history. Uh, uh, the, the, the very important uh, for the Aboriginals. And uh, I'd love to go further north. I want to see the big red deserts. Um, I want to go see the Opera House. I want to go, you know, I've been there, but, you know, I want to go again. I want to go to Melbourne again. I want to see what they call the, the 12 Apostles. There's so many different things that, I want to see, but I wasn't born here. So those guys that were born here, that's not their cup of tea. So they can go to the Gold Coast, which is very close to Brisbane. Imagine Miami in Australia. That's Gold Coast. Right? It's a big party city. It's great. It's right by the beach. The beach is amazing. And lots of money, lots of beautiful people. That's Gold Coast. Uh, not my personal cup of tea, but uh, a lot of tourists love it. Then you've got um, you've got the Great Barrier Reef, which again, that's a no-brainer. Everybody loves that. And then overseas, Australians go a lot to Southeast Asia, right? So Bali is huge. Think of Bali as well. You know how every every young English person goes to Ibiza. They love their they, they love going to Ibiza. Or if you live in America, you go to Cancun. Well, Australians go to Bali. Or they may, if they want to travel a little bit further out, they go to Thailand. So that's that's the the, the, the places they like. And of course, you know, everybody wants to go to New Zealand, but New Zealand is a bit more expensive. Australia has gained a remarkable upswing in tourism in the last few decades. 
why do you think tourists are interested in visiting Australia? I mean, you've mentioned some really great places, but what are some other reasons tourists like to come to Australia? It's it's a faraway destination, so it implicates a lot of time and travel. And yeah, well, as you said, Australia is very far away. Um, so my family is all still in Brazil. For me to get from my house in Australia to my mother's house in Brazil, it takes me about 48 hours. So it's, it's, it's far. But to a lot of travelers, what we find is that Australia is still, still very much a land of mystery. A lot of people th still think Crocodile Dundee, Mad Max, you know, that's, that's what people imagine. And, and then again, we, we have Paul Hogan, uh, a.k.a. Crocodile Dundee, a lot to thank for the tourism boom in Australia. You know, that, that old, you know, shrimp on a barbie, you know, they brought a lot of people here. <laughs> you know, they don't even, <laughs> they hate when I say that because they don't even eat shrimp. They call, they, they only eat prawns and they don't cook them on the barbecue. So they hate that. I find it hilarious. I love it. Every time I want to, I want to upset an Australian. I go, hey, hey, shrimp on a barbie. <laughs> but that brought a lot of people over. People realized that Australia is not some no man's land. You know, Australia has a lot to offer. Now, I could go around and, you know, talk a lot about how the government and uh, whoever's in charge of tourism and marketing and sales for Australia is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I could rant about that for hours. I really could, but it, there's no point because it's not, it's not going to change anytime soon. I wish it did because Australia has a lot to offer, a lot to offer. Australia, Australia is young. Very, a lot of people don't realize how young Australia is. Australia is what, 200 years old. It's young. But Australia is prosperous and Australia has a lot to offer. What Australia lacks is good, strong, hardworking professionals in hospitality. Because if we had that, we could offer a lot more to these people that are coming in. And uh, it just gets so hard to be able to provide that service without having those professionals right, right within our grasp. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. And why do you think that is? Do you think it's because there's not enough uh, training? There aren't enough schools? Uh, Australian people are not interested in this uh, field? Why do you think that that situation is not optimal right now? There is a deep image of hospitality in Australia, right? So I heard on the, on the previous podcast, uh, the lady that was that was talking to you, she mentioned something about um, hiring somebody from McDonald's, and it was great hire. And uh, and yeah, and I've had that experience, but in Australia, the the CVs I received, the resumes I received, if they've worked three months at McDonald's, they consider that hospitality work. It is considered hospitality. Um, so we're I come from a background, and Mr. Marcato knows what I'm talking about, and, a lot, and you, you do too, and a lot of the people listening do know that. That, that background we have is, is, more, uh, is a more decadent hospitality. You know, is that, is that old European, great Gatsby-style hospitality, right? That's, that's what brought me in, right? That's what brought me in. 
that decadence. And now in Europe, and that's that's what when, when we started talking about this, that's what I said that, that things are changing so much because in Europe, yes, you have that value for quality and that old decadence style. But now that decadence style comes with the perks of technology of 2023. So yes, you've got a decadent feel, but you've got today's technology, which is great. In Australia, that's still very young. They don't realize that. And I won a ridiculous, uh, I won a funny award about 10, 11 years ago. And I went to Sydney to, 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 to receive the award. And, um, and when I went up, that's what I said. I said exactly that on my acceptance speech. I said, well, when I arrived in Australia, I was told that hospitality is not a career. And I hope to change that. But that was 10 years ago. And nothing's changed. It's still, not, it's considered a stepping stone to what they call a real job. But as many of my predecessors in this podcast have said, the problem is the amount of money that people in hospitality get paid. There's not enough training and there's not enough money being made. And how do we bring young people into something like that with what promise? What is the promise? What does the future hold? So it's really hard to bring these young people here and say, hey, come work in hospitality. You'll make good money, but you really won't. Or you have decent work days, but you really won't. So a lot of these Australian kids, they prefer to go and do, uh, I'm going to go be a painter. I want to learn how to be a painter because I can get paid $60 an hour when I finish my, my, my traineeship. I'm going to go be a plumber because I can get paid $80 an hour when I finish my traineeship. Why am I going to get paid $25 an hour and be a front office agent? That makes no sense. And get yelled at by hotel guests and work Sundays and late nights. That makes no sense, right? It, it, it's, it's a hard sell. And we need to work on that. And that's why I, I really enjoyed the very first podcast you guys did when, you know, there was the whole conversation about uh, teaching and bringing that on board. Right? So that's something that Australian needs. We need our, you know, people in charge to help with that. Yeah. Yeah. And in your hotel do or in other hotels, do you have apprentice apprentices or do you do apprenticeships? Is there that kind of system like there is in Switzerland and in other places for hospitality? So we have we have held apprentice chefs. They do apprentice chefs in Australia. Uh, so chefs are something we really need. Australia Australia needs chefs, right? If you if you open uh, the the website. To look for jobs in Australia, you'll find hundreds of open available jobs for chefs right now. It's ridiculous. It's it's amazing. In regards to the other positions, it gets really hard because I'll give you one example. I've hired people under the age of 21, and the law doesn't really say that I need to pay them full wage. I can pay them a, a, a smaller wage because they are younger along those lines. Now, I never liked that, so I always pay them what they should be paid, which is what everybody else gets paid, because that's only fair. And, of course, they undergo training, and we have people here that are considered what we call them all-rounders, which means they know everything about the hotel. So they, they can work reception, they can work uh, restaurant, they can work housekeeping, they can work operations, they can work a bit of everything. Right? So these are the people that I hope one day, when they leave this job, 
they will move on to bigger and better things somewhere else. Let's talk a little bit about that nasty subject of the pandemic. Can you give us an idea of how Australia and you personally as a hotel manager dealt with the pandemic? And do you think that what happened in Australia was different from other countries or, I mean, that must have been a very difficult period for you, like it was for most people. Did you have lockdowns? Were the hotels empty? Yeah, so we, Australia had uh, a different approach to everything that happened. Um, we did undergo quite a few lockdowns. We had mandatory vaccinations and uh, I will withhold my personal opinion on those because I don't think that's relevant, but it's, it wasn't easy, right? So it was just like every, everyone else. It was, it was really hard, but we had so few cases because authorities acted quick and whether I agree with it or not, it kept the population safe fearful but safe the hotel itself was empty of course but what we did is because we are what's called an apart hotel so every apartment or every every hotel room has a different owner and uh, because of that i also hold a real estate license so what we did is we took all of those apartments and we leased them long term for tenants so at least we could make a little bit of money What we also did is the Australian government ran some sort of research and they found out that uh, people who live on the streets, they transmit the virus, I think it was like 20 times faster, something along those lines. So they did everything they could to take everybody off the streets. And because we uh, could not be what they call a quarantine hotel, we put our hand up. We said, hey, we can do that send us the homeless we will give you a ridiculously low rate the very 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 minimum just so we can keep going and then at the same time of course we could not afford to maintain our team but that's when the australian government came strongly as well where they at first we had to do what's called a a stand down so we told our team stay stay home we can't afford to pay you right now and uh we are a team of three managers. We were one of them just resigned, moving on to bigger and better things. But we were a team of three managers, and the three of us ran the entire hotel. So I ran, you know, the the, the, the hotel side of things, where the other two boys, you know, they cleaned the swimming pool, they did the landscaping, they cleaned the rooms, they sanitized everything, and so on and so forth. So it wasn't it wasn't easy. Uh, it was a tough period. A lot of refunds, a lot of angry guests, but, you know, we, we went through it. And then eventually the Australian government said, well, bring your people back. If you bring your people back to work, we will pay X amount of their salary. And that was amazing. So this allowed us to bring everybody back. And then what we did is we took that time because we still didn't have guests. So we took that time. We cleaned the entire property. We ran a whole bunch of operations things that were literally months behind we fixed many things that had needed to be fixed for years even right so we we took that and instead of because we know a lot of businesses that said oh thank you you guys stay home and get your money it's like no let's be proactive let's prepare because guests will come back borders will reopen absolutely and when they do we need to be ready so let's be ready now let's prepare 
because if the board is open tomorrow and we're not ready, we're going to struggle. But if we're ready, we'll be ahead of the competition. And that's what we did. Great. Fantastic. And uh, you said that, of course, like many, many hotels, restaurants, many employees had to stand down or were laid off. Did you see that some of them ended up not coming back or did most of them come back? Yeah, so that's that was my next point because I also heard this at a at a at a previous conversation you had. Uh, we lost a lot of good people. I I say that we lost yeah we lost a lot of good people to that to that stand down because um, as a previous guest said they had to stand down they had to look for something else and we gave them full support and we said hey we understand we want you to come yeah back, yeah yeah but you have a family to feed. You've got a mortgage to pay. So if you're looking for something else, we will give you full support. Let us know. We will give you the best recommendation. And yeah, a lot of those people found jobs elsewhere. And because because this job is so strenuous, I would say, it's rewarding. And I love it. I love it. It's, it's, oh, it's great. But it's not an easy job. It doesn't matter what you do at a hotel. Right? It doesn't matter if you work housekeeping, if you work front office, if you work reception. It doesn't matter what you work at. It's a difficult job, but it will prepare you for anything that gets thrown at you. That's why those guys now, they thrive at their new jobs. Right? And a lot of them call me and say, hey, thank you. I'm loving it. I'm doing great at my new job. It's great. It's awesome. And that's rewarding. But on the other hand, it's becoming harder and harder to find good team members and i'm not sure if it is an age thing maybe i'm getting old i don't know i got all the grace coming up but uh <laughs> i need to i need to i need to talk to mr marcato to find out what's his uh, beauty treatment he's doing pretty well but uh yeah it's i don't know if it's an age thing i don't know if it's the new generation and uh again listening to this podcast i've learned a lot of new things and and uh, I like to listen to everybody's point of view. I don't agree when you know when he said, "Oh well, we're just dismissing the the young generation, and we're saying that you know they're all woke and they're all this and they're all that and they're all I can't remember the word that's that's being thrown around." But it's not about that. It's not about it's not about political ideology. It's not about what side of the fence you're in. It doesn't matter. What matters is if I didn't hire you with pink hair. Please don't come to work with pink hair. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'd, I'd like just to go back to something that you said, which, um, uh, you know, you said hospitality really is one of the best preparations you can have for doing other jobs. And uh, my brother-in-law was very, very, very successful uh, insurance broker for years and years and years. And he would say that every single time. He said, my success is because I started out in the hospitality business. He said, everything I, everything that I know and that I learned came from working in the hospitality business. So I think that's, a, that's an excellent point that you're making is it really is a great preparation for lots of other fields. Okay, I have another question. So Luis, in your opinion, how can hospitality businesses better prepare for future challenges 
including recruitment and keeping good staff and making sure that hospitality business in Australia is growing and evolving? So I think that first things first is we need to do our bit. So we, as professionals of the area, we know how hard it is. I myself like to say that, I'll give you a simple example. For the past 12 years, I've always tried to have as fixed a roster as possible for my front office team. Because that's, I, I never got that. I was told what my shifts were going to be on Friday for the week coming. And I would have a, a Thursday off and a Monday off, which is horrible. So I always try to say, hey, guys, listen, let's, and it's hard to sell that to a property owner or to the accounts team because there are KPIs and it's all, it's all expenses. But at the end of the day, if I can tell my team, you're working every week, Tuesday to Saturday, you're going to do a morning shift this week, you're going to do a night shift a week after, and so on and so forth. And that's your roster, plan around it, enjoy your life. That's huge. That's huge. And now we've done it for 12 years and it's, it's outstanding. And yes, things change. And yes, somebody calls in sick. You've got to call somebody else and come in and cover. But that's just part of the job, right? But at least you're not having somebody work every single weekend, every single public holiday. You rotate. That's, that's minor changes that go a long way. I think that finding out the driver, I was talking to a great, great man today about that. Uh, shout out to Alex about about this finding out what drives people don't treat everybody the same your teams are different people are different everybody is different talk to them differently because if you talk to everybody the same it's not great i got female team members that if i talk to them the way that i talk to some of the male team members they'll cry but if i talk to the male team members the way that i talk to some of the female team members they'll laugh at them so it's you've got to work around your team because our job as leaders I hate the word managers. We should be leaders. Our job as leaders is serving our team. That's our job. So if we serve our team, they'll serve our guests. And money will come in. And good feedback will come in. So that's really important that we understand that we need to serve our team. We need to understand what drives them. What's the driver of each one of these members of my team? Is it money? Is it a promotion? Is it a prospect of a promotion? Or is it just a pat in the back? Everybody's different. Give them what they want. But but on the same token, we can't just praise everybody if they're not doing job that deserves praising. We can't just give everybody a pat in the back and give everybody a rest just because they feel like it. That's not how the world works, unfortunately. And a lot of the members of this new generation are finding this out the hard way. And then on the next token, for Australia, for instance, we need our governments to help us out. So right now, I'm looking for a front office team member. I've been looking for one for months. Can't find one. Can't find one. I get plenty of CVs from people from Asia, people from South America, a lot of Europeans. I can't hire them because they got visa restrictions. So how can I hire someone that can only work for me for six months? How can I even do that? It takes me that long to train them and get them ready in 100% with all the procedures and everything they need to know. And then six months later, they're gone. That doesn't work. So I need to either be able to hire professionals from overseas and keep them here for longer or give me enough so that I can provide these guys with training. I'll train it myself. But time is money. And somebody got to pay the bill. Yeah. 
And Luis, do you think that Australia should have more schools, more hospitality schools, more training programs so that they do have more Australian professionals? Yes, I think they do. There are there are plenty of uh, what they call hospitality schools. I think there's a, a lot of room for improvement. I see a lot of, and we've, we've welcomed a lot of these lovely people and they're all lovely. So where we have uh, schools and uh, that are also businesses that specialize in that where they specialize in training people and they will call us and say, hey, can I, can I bring a team of 15 people there and they will clean, you know, 15 of your rooms today. Can we, can we do that? We're like, yeah, we can do that. Bring him over. We will check the rooms afterwards. Yep, you guys go for it. But see, I'm very picky. I like things done properly. I like things, things should be done right the first time because I'd rather you take time and a half to do the job right the first time then have to take time now and time again to do it a second time. And then when I go after it and I check it, it's like, you see the people leading them, just the knowledge isn't there, which is why it gets so hard. Because in order to share knowledge, you need to have a lot of it. You need to have a lot of experience. You need to have done it. And not done it for a year or two. You need to have done it for years, for a decade. You need to know what you're talking about. The teachers we had, and, and then again, it's hard to compare because, hey, I was fortunate. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was very fortunate that I went to the school that I went to, to have teachers like Mr. Marcato, to have, you know, like all those guys that knew what they were talking about, that had that, 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 that would, that would literally, the knowledge was just intense. But then again, there's levels and levels and that knowledge just isn't there. So that's why it's so concerning that the, the new generation is not learning from highly skilled and highly knowledgeable people. Okay, Luis, I have uh, I have one last question. Do you have any other ideas or messages that you'd like to share with us today or maybe some ideas for younger people that are interested in getting into the hospitality field? Well, all I can say is the hours are long, but it's worth it. And then again, the hours aren't even that long anymore. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I work 16 hour days anymore because I don't. That's not true. I work nine hours, 10 hours a day, and that's, that's a long day. So it's, it's really rewarding. It is to see the smile in the face of the guests. We have a guest, uh, a couple of guests today. It's their 40th anniversary. They, they checked in. We put a lovely bottle of champagne in the room with a beautiful message. I wrote the message myself. And uh, they came down, they were extremely thankful. And just just the smile on their faces is the best reward you'll ever get. It's just, it's just amazing. Hey, I've been offered, you know, ridiculous tips. I've met, I've met Hollywood stars. I, you know, I like to joke, but it's like, I had a chat with Sylvester Stallone. It's like, it's see, like hospitality brought me that. Hospitality brought me the friends that I have today from all over the world. I mean, literally, I can close my eyes, throw a stone at a world map, and I'll find a friend in that country. Hospitality brought me that. Right. So all these things, it's there's there's no money in the world that pays for that. And all we need is we need to work together. We gotta stop fighting against each other. We gotta stop trying to you know overdo each other. But if we all work together as 
schools, hotels, hotel workers, hotel managers, and guests. Guests are important. Guests are integral because how do we pay your team members more if there's still such a demand for budget and discount? And I understand. You want your money to go the longest yard physically possible. That's understandable. I do too. But at the end of the day, one side will have to give eventually. And if we all start giving slowly, little by little, little by little, we'll get there. We will get to a point where hotel guests pay a decent amount of money for their accommodation and for their service. Because you're not only paying for a room, you're paying for the service. You're not just paying for that tea. Tea is nothing but water and a little, little bit of a little something that you just sprinkle in there. That's cheap. That doesn't cost, you know, seven, eight dollars. What costs seven, eight dollars is the service. And that's important. And that goes a long way. And if we all realize that, and if we all understand that that person serving you as a family, as a mortgage, they got bills to pay, and they're a human being just like you are, then we can all be happy. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Luis. And you had so many really fantastic things to tell us today, and we really hope that we can invite you back because there are a lot more questions that we have for you. So thank you again and hope to see you soon. Thank you very much, Chris. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Love to come back whenever you have me back. Thank you. Today's episode is being sponsored by Swiss Hospitality Guild. SHG is a training center created to meet the strong demand for specialized hospitality staff. This training concept was born from the experience and expertise of its founder, Egidio Marcato. Egidio has become a reference in the world of hospitality coaching and has had success stories in skills championships, including Swiss skills, Euro skills, and world skills, as well as the AICR World's Best Receptionist Competition. Contact SHG at www.swisshospitalityguild.com.